Everybody here in Tulsa standing as Ricky Jensen prepares to get it in for the Birds. ISU down by one. Ten seconds to go in overtime. Johnson gets it in. Here's Michael driving, pulling up, shooting it. He got it. Birds lead by one. Four seconds. Working overtime. A salute to the 1984-85 Illinois State Redbirds. And a look back over an exciting season in which the Birds played in six overtime games and won five of them. The Redbirds, who fought their way to a second-place tie in the tough Missouri Valley Conference and who knocked off Pac-10 champ Southern Cal in the NCAA Tournament. Working overtime with play-by-play -play memories from WJBC's Dick Ludke and Tom Hodson, comments from Coach Bob Donawald and from Redbirds' Michael McKinney, Brad Duncan, and Ricky Johnson. And with a special thanks to Larry Frank and the Red Top Band. And thanks to you, the fans who've made Horton Fieldhouse a tough place to visit for the opponents. And who followed the Redbirds on the road through your presence and through listening to WJBC broadcasts. I'm Don Munson, and this one's for you Redbird fans, and we're working overtime. State rolled out a barrel of question marks in the fall. With the graduation of the Bruce brothers, Hank Cornley and Mark Zwart, Illinois State's basketball Redbirds had lost their image as a blue-collar team. The 1984-85 version of the Birds was going to have to rely much less on the inside game, which had been the key to two straight NCAA tournament berths for ISU. The returning seniors, guards Michael McKinney and Brad Duncan, swingman Ricky Johnson, and forward Lou Stefanovich, had all been outside players. I don't think there's been a season that I, I've gone into where I felt uh, really more unsure of ourselves going into the doggone thing, because I believe that in order to be a competitive basketball team, you must establish an inside game, and, and that was the one area where we got hurt the most through graduation. The implication from Coach Bob Donawald was that this team would have to work extra hard, would have to put in some overtime in order to get the job done. After a less than inspiring performance in the international exhibition game against Yugoslavia, the Birds prepared for their season opener against Wisconsin Stevens Point. The Pointers were a top NAIA team, but the fans at Horton Fieldhouse were more than a little surprised to see Wisconsin Stevens Point jump to a nine-point lead midway through the second half. But the Birds fought back. A backdoor basket for Michael McKinney with five minutes to go, cut the lead to three. Then a Stefanovich tip-in, cut the margin to one. A minute later, ISU had the ball back with a chance to take its first lead since early in the second half. Now tap horn. Here's McKinney faking his man in the air and now comes out with a dribble. Spins back, looks for help, shoots it, and gets it off the glass. Birds lead by one, 47 to 46. Illinois State held the lead the rest of the way, posting a shaky 51-49 win over Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Ricky Johnson was 9-for-11 from the field and led the way with 22 points. It was a win, but not the kind of win ISU fans have grown accustomed to. But the Birds looked like a different team four nights later against Illinois-Chicago. ISU bombarded the Flames at Horton Fieldhouse, 93-62, with Lou Stefanovich scoring a career-high 29 points. Then came a 54-44 win over Southwest Missouri State. The Bears tried to slow it down against the quicker Redbirds, but ISU shot 62% from the field. So, the Birds were 3-0, heading into their annual matchup with DePaul. Again, the game was at Horton Fieldhouse. The Blue Demons were also unbeaten and were ranked among the top teams in the nation. Illinois State was down by nine at halftime. 
With eight minutes to go, DePaul was still up by seven. Then, a basket by sophomore Bill Braxick cut the gap to five, which is as close as the birds had been since the first half. But just a few moments later, the birds made it even closer. Now McKenney with the ball. Right side pass, Ricky Johnson. In the loo, shot by Stefanovic is in and out and back in. Birds are within three points. 67-64, DePaul wants a timeout. After the timeout, DePaul's Marty Embry hit one of two free throws to put the Demons up by four. But then Lou Stefanovic made a pair of free tosses, and ISU was to within two with seven minutes left. It was a critical possession for the Blue Demons. Jackson gets it up high, right side feet, Corbin with a basketball. One bounce, and he'll put it up to Patterson. Patterson down the lane, driving, shooting it up there, missing. Rebound, Corbin who lays it up and gets it. Great rebound by Ty Corbin, who's really been tough on the offensive boards. That's his first basket of the game. And it turned out to be the biggest basket of the game. A few minutes later, DePaul scored again, and the Demons were on their way to an 84-71 win. The Birds had been held to 43% shooting from the field. ISU had lost its first game of the season to the team which had finished Illinois State's season the year before in the NCAA tournament in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> Next was ISU's first road game of the year, Wisconsin-Green Bay, and also ran from the weak Mid-Continent Conference, was the opponent. With three minutes to go, the Birds found themselves down three, but Illinois State found a way to pull it out, winning 52-49 and limping home with a 4-1 and record. The performance was much better a week later at Horton Fieldhouse when the Birds beat Detroit 76-73. ISU led by 11 with just two minutes to go before the Titans finished with a flurry to make it look closer than it really was. Then it was on to California for the American Savings Classic in Stockton. Texas A&M was Illinois State's first round opponent. The Aggies, like the Birds, were 5-1. and one. And it was A&M which led by 5 at halftime and which increased the margin to 11 midway through the second half. But then the Birds came to life, outscoring the Aggies 17-6 and tying the game with a minute and a half to go on a loose Stefanovic jump shot. Then, with 19 seconds to go, ISU freshman Tony Hollifield made a great move to the basket and drew a foul. But Hollifield, shooting the first two free throws of his college career, missed them both. And when A&M rebounded the second miss, the Aggies had a chance to win it. Down to 11 seconds left now. We're tied up here at California. Holloway with it, guarded by McKenney. Here's Holloway driving, pulling up, shooting it, and missing. It's short, rebound, tapped out of bounds with the buzzer sounding, and that's the end of regulation time. And so the birds, and particularly Tony Hollifield, breathed a big sigh of relief and went out and dominated the extra five minutes, winning 74-66. to It was the first overtime victory for Illinois State in over two years. And it was the first of six overtime games for the Redbirds in this 84-85 season. ISU had not won a holiday tournament in six years. They'd finished second five times in a row. The win over A&M gave the Birds another chance to finish first. And this time they made the most of it. Before a few hundred lethargic fans in California, ISU waltzed to a 77-58 win in the title game over the University of San Diego. And the Birds celebrated by cutting down the nets. Lou Stefanovich, who hit 19 of his 25 field goal attempts in the two games, was named tournament MVP. There was more net cutting to be done just a week later. This time, the birds traveled east for the Fleet Classic in Providence, Rhode Island. 
Illinois State opened against Northeastern, a team which had played in the NCAA the year before and which was favored to win its conference again in 1984-85. ISU trailed early in the second half but came back to win it 92-84. Brad Duncan scored his career high of 26 and the Birds moved into the title game against Big East representative Providence. The Friars had the home court advantage, but the Birds had a 15-point lead at the half. They upped the margin to 19 before Providence staged a strong comeback. The lead was all the way down to five with four minutes to go, and Providence had the ball. As Starch drives the lane, goes off to the side, Waller's shot is not good, rebound for Wright, who puts it in. I don't know where they've hidden this young player, but he is having one heck of a game tonight. 19 points for him, and it's 54-51. Birds leading by three. They have the ball as Johnson drives underneath. Way up. Yes! Ricky Johnson with a big drive down the baseline. He's been taking it to the bucket and producing for the Birds, who now lead again by five. Then ISU got the ball right back and regained control of the game on a basket by Michael McKinney. Here's McKinney driving. He'll shoot it. He got it! Michael McKinney with a big basket with two minutes to go and the birds are up by seven as McKinney penetrated the lane they gave him some room and he took advantage and Illinois State was on its way to a 65-59 win over the Friars after failing to win a holiday tournament for six years the birds had won two of them within the space of two weeks and that made Ricky Johnson feel better than ever about the upcoming Missouri Valley Conference season yeah we had always finished second uh, in the holiday tournament uh, for the my previous three years, uh, always bringing home the second place trophy. So uh, the fact that we won both of those tournaments really gave us some momentum going into the uh, conference uh, season. The Birds took a 10-1 and record into the conference opener at Drake. And even though Lou Stefanovich and Bill Braxick fouled out, the Birds were in control all the way as they won 66-56. The birds out-rebounded the dogs by seven, and little Michael McKenney was most responsible for that, grabbing a game-high eight boards. Then it was on to Omaha to face the Creighton Blue Jays. The Jays had been beaten in their conference opener by Bradley, but they'd raised a few eyebrows with non-conference wins over the likes of Notre Dame and Chaminade. The birds were playing their sixth straight game away from home and appeared a little weary in losing 73-63. Benoit Benjamin was the difference with 16 points and 15 rebounds. The Birds returned to Horton Fieldhouse for the first time in almost four weeks and won their MVC home opener over Southern Illinois 78-63. Sophomore Bill Braxick with 9 of 12 from the field that night scored his career high of 22 points. So Illinois State was 2-1 in the Valley as Wichita State moved into Horton for a Saturday afternoon contest. The Shockers had struggled through the non-conference season but were riding high with wins in their first two Missouri Valley Conference games. The game was close throughout but the Shockers appeared in good shape with a four-point lead and only a minute to go. Then, a Tony Hollifield layup cut the gap to two with 50 seconds left. And then, Wichita State's Cedric Coleman missed the front end of a one-and-one, and and the Birds had a chance to tie. Here comes Brad up top, goes to Stefanovic. Birds trying to force an overtime as Ricky Johnson gets the ball. Ricky dribbling up on top. Now Duncan shot. It is not good. Rebound McKinney who goes up and misses. A whistle. A foul is called. And Michael with six. There was no reason for me to run back on defense because if we didn't get this, uh, get the ball in basket right now, then we won't have a chance to win. So I just went to the boards and I just saw a little opening and I just jumped and 
got the ball. McKinney made the first of his two free throws to cut the lead to one. Then came the second free throw. Here comes the toss on the way, and it is good. And the Birds have tied the score. That was a net job. Wichita State has a chance to win it as our line comes down court. Up on top, our line now on the right side. Six seconds to go in regulation. Here's the pass inside. Santos driving, shooting, missed it. Rebound, Birds. Two seconds left. Whistle, traveling with one second to go. Sanders called for traveling after he got the rebound, and that'll give the Shockers another opportunity. But Wichita State was not quite able to take advantage of that extra chance to send the Horton Fieldhouse patrons home a little earlier than desired. Inbounds pass from Santos. McDaniel is down low. Sherrod is up on top. Santos looking. Gets it in. McDaniel shot in. Time is rolling. No good. And it's overtime here at Horton Fieldhouse. When the ball really uh, left Xavier's hands, I, I actually thought it had a good chance of going in. And, and although he didn't have great balance, a great a great athlete like himself oftentimes doesn't need uh, really good balance. He can just kind of throw, and that's what it was. Overtime as McDaniel got the pass. He shot it. From about eight feet away, he was relatively open, but he missed the shot short. And another five minutes of basketball here for the fans at Horton Fieldhouse. Well, I really felt confident once we got into overtime. I, I felt that if we can get the game into overtime, then we can really have a chance to uh, win the game. Johnson with it. Here's Duncan. Shot by Brad. It is good. Brad's are up by two. This is their uh, I just came off the screen, and, and the shot was there, so I put it up, and it went in. And I think that maybe got us rolling a little oh, bit. Bennett, Michael's got it. McKinney down court. Layup is no. Follow. Yes. Ricky Johnson and the Birds lead by four. The fact that Michael got the steal and got, and got down the court, I was just trying to follow the play, and uh, luckily I got the tip in. And the Birds went on to win it 86-80. to Illinois State had overcome a 29-point, 19-rebound performance by All-American Xavier McDaniel. ISU was 3-1 and in the Valley and 12-2 and overall. The 3-1 mark was good enough for second place in the Missouri Valley. First place Tulsa was next for the Birds. The Golden Hurricane came to Horton Fieldhouse with a 4-0 conference mark. After a big win at home over Oklahoma, Tulsa had moved into the top 20. But the Birds jumped to an early 23-9 lead and were still up by 7 at the intermission. ISU was still holding to a 7-point lead with 4 minutes to go when it all started to fall apart. Just three minutes later, Tulsa's Brian Boudreau made a pair of free throws, and the Redbird advantage had melted to just one point. That was followed by a turnover by the Birds, and Tulsa had the ball with 30 seconds left, with a chance to take the lead for the first time since the early minutes of the game. Here's Boudreau with it. 23 seconds to go in the game. Harris takes the shot. He got it, and Tulsa leads for the first time in the second half. But the Birds have the ball. Now 16 seconds left. Here's McKinney. Off to Ricky Johnson. Birds need a bucket to win it. Johnson with it. Puts it out to Michael. Now down to seven. Michael pulls up, shoots it. He missed it. Off the rim. Braxick shoots. No. One second left. Foul's been called. Foul has been called. One second left. That ball hung on the rim forever. Billy Braxick went to get it. He missed his his try on the rebound, but he drew the foul. And so the seven-foot sophomore from Flanagan was on the line to shoot two with his team down by one. One second to go in the game as he fires it up there. It's on the way, and it is not good. Too long, and Billy has one more chance to get the tie. 67-66. Tulsa with its first lead of the half right here with one second to go. 
Another one coming for Braxic. He eyes the bucket, fires it up there, and gets it! And it was tied. Tulsa was unable to get a shot off in the final second. And for the second game in a row, the Birds were forced to work a little overtime. Unfortunately, in this extra period, it was Tulsa's Steve Harris who most deserved to be paid time and a half. First, the lanky 6'5 guard hit a 15-foot jumper to put Tulsa up by two. Then he drew a fifth foul on Braxic to put ISU's big guy on the bench. Harris made both free throws, and the Hurricane led by four. A bit later, with two minutes left, Tulsa was still up by four and had the ball. Herbert Johnson gets it. Now he shoots it, and he missed it. Rebound tipped in the air. It's loose. Now hits the rim. No good. Rebound Stefanovic. And here come the birds. Still in it. They're down by four. A minute and a half to go. Driving. Hollowfield shot. Good. Foul is called. Bucket. No. Oh, the other official took it away from him. Traveling was called. I believe that Ron Zetcher was ready to call a foul and a bucket, and Bob Donawald is really livid. Well, I was greatly surprised that the official made the call because he was not in a position to make it. He was just barely over the 10-second line, and there's an official standing right on top of the play who makes the call. Ironically enough, it was a poor call. Uh, uh, Tony does not travel on a doggone thing, but as an official is coming down the floor and he's just crossed over the 10-second line, I mean, a youngster almost has to run like it's a, uh, he's going for a first down in order for an official to make that kind of call. And I, and I really felt that that particular play uh, really was a straw that broke the camel's back. The final score was 79-69. to 69. Instead of coming from behind to force an overtime, as the Birds did against Wichita State, ISU had given up a big lead and had lost the momentum by the time the extra period got underway. Bob Donawald says he didn't feel nearly as good going into the OT against Tulsa as he did going into the extra five minutes against Wichita. No, I really didn't, and I don't think the kids did, and yet I think that was a, a very good learning experience for us because we talked a lot about it afterwards and, and compared the two situations and really relied upon that experience from then on every time we went into another overtime, which for a while, as you well remember, uh, seemed like that was the way we were going to play every game. The Birds were to play three more extra period games within the next three weeks, and they were to win them all. The first of those three came just two days after the loss to Tulsa. ISU took a break from its Missouri Valley schedule to face Chicago State, again at Horton. The Cougars were in their first year of Division I competition. They'd already scored some big wins, including one at Wichita, so the Birds knew they might be in for a tough afternoon. They knew it even better when Chicago State led by four with just five minutes to go. But ISU came back to tie it on a Bill Braxick jump shot. Braxick scored the first two points in overtime, and the Birds raced to a 79-66 win. Braxick was 8 for 11 from the field and scored 18 points to help offset a 32-point performance by Chicago State's Charles Perry. The overall record for the Redbirds was now 13-3. The following Thursday night, the Birds were in Terre Haute, Indiana. The Sycamores of Indiana State had shown themselves to be an improved team, especially at home where they'd beaten Minnesota and Bradley. Early on, Illinois State looked to be Indiana State's next victim. The Sycamores led by nine at the half. But ISU was a different team in the second half. The Birds roared back to gain the lead just six minutes into the second half. The game remained close the rest of the way. 
but it was the Birds who were up by four with just over a minute to go. Then, Indiana State scored, and the Redbirds' lead was down to two. The Birds had the ball, but because of the shot clock, ISU was forced to shoot before the final buzzer. Down to ten seconds on the shot clock. Brad Duncan with it. Cross-court McKinney. Michael driving. Now he stops and shoots it. He missed it, and the rebound winters. 18 seconds to go. Indiana State could tie it. Across the timeline we go. And, of course, there's a possibility here of another overtime. McComb with the ball. Indiana State looking to tie. Fields shoots it. It is good. Four seconds to go. The Birds call a timeout. The clock has dwindled down to nothing, but the Birds did call the timeout in time. But ISU's final shot in regulation was not good. And for the fourth straight game, it was on to an overtime period. The game remained close in OT. With a minute and a half to go, Michael McKinney hit from outside to tie the score. With 52 seconds to go, Indiana State's Jeff McComb was fouled. He made one of two free throws to put his team up by one. But then, Ricky Johnson of the Birds was fouled with 35 seconds left. Johnson had two free throws coming. I hit one to tie the game. I, I had a chance for one more that would have put us ahead by one, but I missed it. Johnson cocks the wrist. He fires up the second free throw. It is rolling. No good. Indiana State has the rebound, and they I have a chance now to down win down the court, final shot. Thinking that the if they hit this shot, I was going to be pretty much the GOAT. They're waiting for the last shot. The bucket that could win it here as Kegarice has the ball up top. Now driving. He gets it with seven seconds to go. Throws it away. Ricky with it. I got a good line. look at the clock. It was four seconds, and uh, I got to the 10-second line. So I figured two more dribbles I can get to about 20 feet, and I just let it go. Go from there. Ricky with it at the timeline. He drives, shoots it at the buzzer. It's good. And the birds have won it. Johnson shooting it at the buzzer. And the birds win it. A steal by Ricky. I thought he had a chance to hit the shot as he crossed the timeline. And the reason I felt that is because as he was going, he was under control and he looks up at the clock to see how much time he's got. And from there on, he counted to himself until he just got close enough to get up in the air. And once his eyes went to the, the scoreboard, I said to myself, he's really under control. He's got a chance to make the play, and what a heck of a shot. The 85-83 victory upped the Redbird record in the Valley to 4-2 and, and kept the Birds within two games of unbeaten Tulsa. Two days later, the Birds were back at Horton Fieldhouse for their first meeting of the year with arch-rival Bradley. The result was Illinois State's seventh straight win over the Braves. Despite Lou Stefanovich's 2-for-10 performance from the field, the Birds won 65-55. Ricky Johnson scored 21, and Michael McKinney had his season high of 20 points. The Birds took their 5-2 conference mark to Southern Illinois. Illinois State had had an easy time with the Salukis at Horton Fieldhouse, but as usual, it was a different story in Carbondale. The Redbirds were up by one with 12 minutes to play, but Southern scored the next basket and never trailed again on the way to a decisive 63-50 win. The Birds suddenly found themselves three games down on Tulsa, and first place seemed almost out of reach. It helped that Tulsa lost at Indiana State two nights later. That lowered the difference between the two teams to two games as the Birds moved into Tulsa for a Wednesday night confrontation with the Golden Hurricane. Memories of a big win at Tulsa the year before were fresh in the minds of the Birds as they stepped onto the court at the Tulsa Convention Center Arena. 
The game was incredibly close all the way. Neither team led by more than six points all night long. And through the final 18 minutes of this game, the biggest lead was three points. It was dead even with one minute to go, and both teams missed a chance to win it in the final seconds of regulation. And so, for the sixth time, the Redbirds geared up for a little overtime work. Tulsa, which had beaten the Birds in an overtime game at Horton just three weeks earlier, took the early advantage in OT. Just under three minutes left, the Hurricane led by two and got the ball back on an almost fatal Redbird mistake. And Johnson goes to Brad, inside pass, knocked away from Lou, loose ball, picked off by Tulsa, here's the pass to Moss, he's got a layup and he missed it, he missed it, rebound Ricky, Johnson back the other way, here's the pass to the corner, and Stefanovic slows it up and brings it back out, now Duncan into Hollifield, layup is good, a foul has been called, the bucket will count, and the Birds have tied the score and now could go up by one. Freshman Tony Hollifield, who had proven earlier in the year to be a big liability on the free throw line, made his fifth pressure-packed free throw in five tries in this game to put the birds ahead for the first time in the overtime. There were two minutes to go. Each team scored two points, and the birds were still up by one when Tulsa's Herbert Johnson was fouled with 35 seconds to go. Herbert Johnson now set to shoot the free throw, the first of a one-and-one. A big free throw on the way for Johnson as he fires it, and he gets it. It rolled on that rim. Hit the glass, back to the rim, and fell through, and it's all tied up. Somebody's going to church. Johnson will try it again. He could put his team up by one. 35 seconds to go as he fires it, and he gets that one, too. He rolled that one in there. And the I didn't think neither one of them was going in, but uh, I said home court bounce for you, and they went in, and I was thinking um, the guys that played so hard, Everybody, everybody stepped on the court really played hard. We was coming off a disappointing loss. And everybody stepped on the court really played hard that game. And I was just thinking, God, it would be a shame if we lost this game. With the game clock running down, the Birds were having trouble finding the shot they needed to put themselves back in front. And Bob Donawald was forced to call for a timeout with 10 seconds to go. After talking it over, the Birds inbounded, still down by one big point. Everybody here in Tulsa standing... As Ricky Johnson prepares to get it in for the Birds. ISU down by one. Ten seconds to go in overtime. Johnson gets it in. Here's Michael driving, pulling up, shooting it. He got it. Birds lead by one. Four seconds to go. Tulsa they gave him the shot. I think they was keen on Brad for that last shot or keen on Lou. But I just took the shot since they gave it to me. Did you have a pretty good feeling about it when you let it go? No. <laughs> you didn't think it was going in? Well, um... I think that was only my second basket, the, uh, the second half of the night. And so I wasn't really into any type of shooting flow. Uh, but I just shot it with confidence. I didn't hesitate to shoot. I, I shot it, and uh, it did go in. And the Birds had a one-point lead with four seconds to go. But Tulsa still had one more chance to pull it out. Nobody on the inbound passer as Williams looks to get it in and does so to Boudreaux. He's at half court, down to two seconds left. Boudreaux driving, shot on the way. It is... No good! No good! It rimmed out of there! It was a good-looking shot! But when he shot the ball, I thought the ball was going right through the net. But it didn't. It rolled out. It was a very close shot from uh, from the distance he took it at. And I'm glad it rolled out. win for the second time in a row in Tulsa. 73-72. ISU holds on to beat the Golden Hurricane. The win put the Birds within one game of Tulsa. But Wichita State had taken over first. The Shockers' only loss up until that point had been to ISU. 
Three days later, the birds kept pace with a 67-46 win at home over Drake. And that evening, Tulsa won at Wichita State, and the birds were now within one game of both the Hurricane and the Shockers. week, the Redbirds hit the road. ISU had a Thursday night game at West Texas State, and then a Saturday night contest at Wichita State. The Buffaloes of West Texas were in last place in the Valley. ISU had never lost a conference game to the Buffs. But the Birds found themselves down by 11 at the half. And when the Birds still trailed by 8 with 3 minutes to go, Brad Duncan knew he and his teammates had taken too much for granted. We feel if we play with a great amount of intensity and if we put, come out and play hard every night that we can play with anybody and that was just one of those nights where we didn't do that. A situation maybe where you just didn't give them enough respect going into the game? I think that that was a big part of it, yeah. Uh, Coach had been telling us all along that they were the best West Texas team he'd ever seen, but I guess we didn't listen. But ISU still came close to pulling it out. Duncan led the charge, hitting 9 of 12 from the field in the second half. But even after a pair of free throws by Tony Hollifield, the birds were down by three with just 22 seconds left, and West Texas had the ball. Buffaloes with it, here's the pass to Carmen, lost it, picked up by Childs, driving shot, it's not good, whistle, and a foul, and it's against the Buffaloes. A charge against the Buffaloes, and ISU is going to get a one-and-one, -and, -one, and what a mistake by West Texas State. They went to the bucket when they had the ball, and a three-point lead, and around 20 seconds to go, now 16 seconds to go, and a tremendous mistake by William Childs, his fourth foul, and that puts the birds back in business. Especially after Michael McKinney made both free throws to cut the lead to just one. A few moments later, the Buffs were back at the free throw line, trying to protect a two-point lead with eight seconds to go. The free throw is not good. Rebound birds. They've got a chance to tie. Five seconds left. Here's Duncan. Long one by Brad is not good. And the rebound. Duncan gets the shot away. Not good. There's the buzzer. And that's the game. The final score was 68-66. to 66. The birds had just barely missed an opportunity to play in still another overtime game. And in the process, had greatly damaged their Missouri Valley Conference title hopes. The Birds suddenly found themselves down two games on Tulsa. Thanks to Creighton's win that same evening over Wichita State, the Birds still trailed the Shockers by just one game. But they were also a game down on the Blue Jays. ISU had sunk to fourth place. The trip from Amarillo to Wichita was not a pleasant one. But Bob Donawal liked what he saw once his team arrived in Kansas. I thought there was just uh, a, a real togetherness about the team and, and a, a total commitment uh, from the from the time really that we that we uh, that we landed in Wichita until we we left there. Even after ISU fell behind 15 to six, Donawal says he had a good feeling about this game. And sure enough, the birds came back to force a tie at the intermission. It remained close the rest of the way. In fact, it was still tied with just under three minutes to go, and the birds had the ball. 2.43 to go in the game, as McKenney has it. 
Shot clocked out at 20 seconds. Taphorn shot. It is good. Matt Taphorn with one of his biggest buckets ever from the left wing about 18 feet away. Uh, he didn't hesitate on that one. He knew it when he was open, and he drilled it. And it's Matt comes off the screen, and he's at about 16 to 17 feet. And normally what he would do in that situation is be very uh, hesitant. and and uh, But, boy, he didn't. He just turned and, and was open and, and, and never thought twice. He just went up in the air and knocked the ball in. And, and needless to say, that's his biggest baskets that that he's hit in his short career. Taphorn's basket had made it a two-point ISU lead. With just under two minutes left, the Shockers missed, and ISU rebounded. So the Birds had the ball with a two-point edge. The idea was to use as much of the shot clock as possible. Johnson looking, going to Brad, fakes the shot. The shot clock down to 10 right now. Up top, Taphorn fakes another shot. Now gets rid of it. Duncan with it. Shot clock at five. Hook pass inside. Stefanovic. Get it back to Duncan. Long one is good. The Birds get it with one second on the shot clock, and they lead by four. He buried it from 30 foot. What a shot. Well, I remember kicking it into Lou, throwing the ball into Lou in the post, and I thought he would know, too, that the shot clock was running now, but obviously he didn't, he, and he passed it right back out. And so I just, as soon as I got it, I just shot it, and Fortunately, went in. It went in with 59 seconds to go, and the Birds were on their way to another big win on the road. The final, ISU 64-58. to Illinois State held All-American Xavier McDaniel to less than 20 points, the first time that had happened since the very beginning of the season. Derek Sanders, Tony Hollifield, and Matt Taphorn had shared the defensive assignment on the man known to college basketball fans around the nation as X. That same evening, Tulsa had won at Creighton, and the Birds found themselves in a second-place tie with the Shockers and the Blue Jays, still two games down on first-place Tulsa. But the Birds seemed to have the schedule on their side. The first of three straight home games was against West Texas State, and the Birds paid the Buffaloes back for that game down in Amarillo the previous week. 74-58 was the final. Tulsa lost that night at home to Bradley, and the Birds were back to within one game of first. Creighton came to Horton Fieldhouse next, and the Blue Jays might as well have stayed home. Benoit Benjamin was totally frustrated by ISU's defense and scored a career low of five points. The Birds won 89-61 as Derek Sanders matched his career high of 18 points. The last of the three straight games at home was against Indiana State. The Redbirds won it 75-64. to The following night, the Birds received an astounding piece of good news. Tulsa had lost at West Texas State. That meant a three-way tie for first place with one game to play. The Birds, on the final Saturday of the regular season, would play at Bradley, while the Hurricane and the Shockers would face one another in Tulsa. With a win, the Birds would finish in a tie for first with the winner of that Wichita State-Tulsa game. But it was not to be. Bradley finally ended its long losing string against the Birds, and the Braves did it convincingly. Here's Brad Duncan off to Sanders. Derek double-teamed, almost lost it. Loose ball picked off by Les. Here's a two-on-two. Two. Jimmy Les off to Hawkins, who gets it, shoots it, and scores. I tell you what, the Braves can't play any better. I don't know whether the Redbirds can play better. They surely haven't. 19-point lead for Bradley, their biggest. The Braves rolled on to an 82-69 win, and the Birds settled for a second-place tie with Wichita State. Tulsa won the league's regular season title with a 13-3 record. The Birds and Shockers both finished a 12-4. For the third year in a row, ISU had finished with a 21-6 regular season mark. 
the two previous seasons, that had been good enough for a trip to the NCAA tournament. But the Redbirds still preferred an automatic invitation, which would go to the winner of the conference postseason tournament. Illinois State drew Indiana State for its first-round opponent. The Birds had beaten the Sycamores twice, but it had taken an overtime to get the job done in Terre Haute. But this game was at Horton Fieldhouse, and Redbird fans were quite optimistic, especially when the Birds jumped to a 26-21 lead with five minutes to go in the half. But then the trouble started. Indiana State surged to a five-point halftime lead and led by 13 10 minutes into the second half. The Birds made their move shortly thereafter. With five minutes to go, the Indiana State lead had been cut to six. Horton Fieldhouse was rocking as the Birds brought the ball down court, looking to cut the margin to four. Here comes Ricky. Johnson on the run, driving past. Sanders layup. Yes! What a pass inside! He looked one way and shoved it down the other way, and Sanders was there. And Birds are in it, Dick. They're back to within four. Here comes Indiana State with 4.18 to go. Fields now gets it back from McComb. Here's the pass inside. Winters got it knocked away and stolen. Sanders, what a rake inside. Sanders got it off to Stefanovic. Now Johnson across the line. Here comes Ricky to Brad. His shot is good. And the Birds are within two points. Oh, they're going crazy. And Stillhouse says settle down. But the fans have got the Birds going, Dick. That crowd was the best crowd that we've had at Illinois State since we won the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. It was almost like we were emotionally and physically drained and, and we were laboring. And I think starting in the second half, early in the second half, the crowd sensed that, and, and, and the crowd got to the point where I felt they were during that tournament, and had they not been that way, I don't think the game would have been as close. I thought they just did a marvelous job. But the crowd couldn't quite get the birds over the hump. After the timeout, the Sycamores inbounded, up by just two points. But then Indiana State got one to go its way. Here's the pass to Edwards. Cross-court feed. Winters driving. Here's the foul. It's on Stefanovic. As Edwards crashed into him, Lou went down hoping for a charge, and the call did not go his way, and Bob Donawald off the bench. I was disappointed in the call in that... Um, in that had it been properly called now we have a chance to uh, you know maybe win the ball game and and for all practical purposes again that was a straw that that broke the camel's back that that prevented us from winning the game two free throws by ralph winters put the sycamores back up by four and indiana state held on for the 66 to 61 upset win and redbird fans started to wonder whether their team would be in for a third straight trip to the ncaa Hopes were lowered even further when Wichita State upset Tulsa in the Missouri Valley Tournament Championship game in Tulsa. That forced the tournament selection committee to take the Shockers and the Hurricane ahead of the Birds. But the news on selection Sunday was that all three teams were in. It was the first time in the history of the Missouri Valley Conference that three teams had been selected for the NCAA tournament. ISU was matched against Pac-10 Conference co-champ Southern Cal. The game would be played in Tulsa at Oral Roberts University's Maybe Center. The Trojans were 19-9. They were the number eight seed in the 16-team Midwest Regional. The Redbirds were seeded ninth. The makings were there for a close game, and that's just what came about. ISU did jump to an early nine-point lead, but then had a horrible time late in the first half. The Trojans outscored the Birds by 20-5 to during one stretch, and USC led by four at the half. 
USC stretched the margin to seven early in the second half when the birds came to life. With 11 and a half minutes still to play, ISU had cut the lead to two and had the ball. Here comes McKinney driving and going to the corner. Stefanovic wouldn't take the shot that time. It comes out to Brad. Duncan will take it. It is not good off the back iron. Rebound, Braxick, who goes to the hoop and lays it up and gets it. Billy Braxick was fouled as well, and he'll go to the line. as Braxick I thought that that was a, a critical play for us. I thought it was a critical play for Billy. It was a shot by Duncan out on the, uh, the right side of the key, and it carried off to him, and Billy was in the lane, and he actually had to reach back and catch it, and uh, then he put it on the deck once and took the ball right at the bucket and uh, completed the three-point play. And put the birds up by one point, giving ISU its first lead of the second half. Then, the teams exchanged baskets until there were five minutes to go. USC had a one-point lead, but the Birds had the ball. 45-44 USC leading as Duncan shoots it long and gets it from deep in the corner. A big bucket by Brad. Deep in the corner, he was dead corner. I'm glad he wasn't out of bounds because it wouldn't have counted. And that was a big basket right there. That it was, because it put the Birds ahead to stay. A moment later, Lou Stefanovic scored to make it a three-point lead for ISU. After USC scored to cut it back to one, the Birds decided to go to the delay game. The decision was made despite the fact that the Birds, with the shot clock in effect, had not been able to use the delay game during the regular season. And there was a TV timeout, I believe, at that particular time, and the team sat down, and, and uh, the team was all in agreement. Hey, this is what we need to do. Let's put ourselves in a position where they foul us and put us to the line, or let's make sure what we get is just something that we just can't turn down. The Birds delayed for almost three minutes before the Trojans put Michael McKinney at the line with just over a minute to go. McKinney's first free throw of the game with 1.14 to go. The Birds by one as he shoots it and gets it and the birds lead by two yeah he drained that one all the way at the bottom of the net wasn't any question about it no iron michael who missed a big pair of free throws in the indiana state loss will try to get another one down here 49 47 redbirds as the toss is on the way and it is good and the birds lead by three that's what you call string music right there that's sweetness we're down to 110 to go redbirds 50 usc 47 Here's Friend now on the right side. Derek Sanders in there guarding Holmes as the pass came to Holmes. Now to Smith, who drives, penetrates, shoots it. He missed it. Rebound, Birds! Michael McKinney has got it. And the Birds with a three-point lead and the ball. And now a foul is called. And a two-shot foul is called against Larry Friend as Michael McKinney will go back to the line. And the Birds suddenly here look in great shape with 53 seconds left to go. McKinney made two more free throws and then made two more a little later, and the Redbirds held on for a 58-55 win, their second win ever in the NCAA tournament. That put the Birds against the Midwest Regional's number one seed, the Sooners of Oklahoma, who are ranked fourth in the nation. No one gave Illinois State too much of a chance. The big question was, how would the Birds defend against 6'9 All-American Wayman Tisdale? The Birds sagged off the other Oklahoma players to provide help on Tisdale, but the big guy was still almost impossible to stop. Nonetheless, the Birds managed to stay right in the game with some solid play of their own. The Oklahoma lead was just five points with just under eight minutes to go. The Birds had the ball. Here's Lou turning and shooting, and he got it from the baseline, and the Birds are back to within three points. Which was as close as the Birds had been in the second half. Oklahoma then scored to build the lead back to five, but Lou Stefanovic struck again. Here now is Ricky going to the right. Now backpedaling a bit on the wing. 
Here's the feed to Lou at the left wing. He'll shoot it. He got it. They gave him that one, and he took it from 21 feet away, and the birds are back to within three. But Oklahoma came right back to score again, and the Sooners were up by five. And then, Wayman Tisdale put the proverbial cherry on top of the Sunday. Anthony Bowie goes off to McAllister, and now, with the ball up top is Davis. Into the corner it goes. And now back up top, Davis. Kennedy lobbed Tisdale, he jams it! And Oklahoma leads by seven. Another major league play by Wayman Tisdale. The Sooners won it, 75-69. to As the birds hung tough until the very end, delaying the Sooner celebration until the final minute. Tisdale wound up with 29 points. He hit 14 of 16 from the field. But Redbird coach Bob Donawald felt his team had played well in finishing up a season in which the final ledger read 22 wins, 8 losses. For Bob Donawald, it was a most memorable season with a most memorable team. The thing I will remember most is that it was uh, maybe more than any of our other teams, a team that found different ways to win basketball games. It was, it was a team that wasn't overly quick. It wasn't uh, overly powerful. Uh, it wasn't overly, uh, overly gifted in any particular phase of the game. And yet, it, it seemed to blend together well enough to, to come up with different ways. Uh, most of our wins were not easy wins, and most of our wins were very close. Uh, our margin of victory is is very small, and yet for a team that that wins 22 ball games and uh, uh, finishes in second place in its own league, uh, beats a Pac-10 champion, uh, uh, battles a number four team in the country uh, for 40 minutes, it, it was a team that just refused to quit and 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 pushed itself and drove itself and and as a result of that uh, achieved a, a certain amount or a certain degree of success.
everybody here in Tulsa standing as Ricky Jensen prepares to get it in for the Birds. ISU down by one. Ten seconds to go in overtime. Johnson gets it in. Here's Michael driving, pulling up, shooting it. He got it. Birds lead by one. Four seconds. Working overtime. A salute to the 1984-85 Illinois State Redbirds. And a look back over an exciting season in which the Birds played in six overtime games and won five of them. The Redbirds, who fought their way to a second-place tie in the tough Missouri Valley Conference and who knocked off Pac-10 champ Southern Cal in the NCAA Tournament. Working overtime with play-by-play -play memories from WJBC's Dick Ludke and Tom Hodson, comments from Coach Bob Donawald and from Redbirds' Michael McKinney, Brad Duncan, and Ricky Johnson. And with a special thanks to Larry Frank and the Red Top Band. And thanks to you, the fans who've made Horton Fieldhouse a tough place to visit for the opponents and who follow the Redbirds on the road through your presence and through listening to WJBC broadcasts. I'm Don Munson, and this one's for you, Redbird fans, and we're working overtime. State rolled out a barrel of question marks in the fall. With the graduation of the Bruce brothers, Hank Cornley and Mark Zwart, Illinois State's basketball Redbirds had lost their image as a blue-collar team. The 1984-85 version of the Birds was going to have to rely much less on the inside game, which had been the key to two straight NCAA tournament berths for ISU. The returning seniors, guards Michael McKinney and Brad Duncan, swingman Ricky Johnson, and forward Lou Stefanovich, had all been outside players. I don't think there's been a season that I, I've gone into where I felt uh, really more unsure of ourselves going into the doggone thing, because I believe that in order to be a competitive basketball team, you must establish an inside game, and, and that was the one area where we got hurt the most through graduation. The implication from Coach Bob Donawald was that this team would have to work extra hard, would have to put in some overtime in order to get the job done. After a less than inspiring performance in the international exhibition game against Yugoslavia, the Birds prepared for their season opener against Wisconsin Stevens Point. The Pointers were a top NAIA team, but the fans at Horton Fieldhouse were more than a little surprised to see Wisconsin Stevens Point jump to a nine-point lead midway through the second half. But the Birds fought back. A backdoor basket for Michael McKinney with five minutes to go, cut the lead to three. Then a Stefanovich tip-in, cut the margin to one. A minute later, ISU had the ball back with a chance to take its first lead since early in the second half. Now tap horn. Here's McKinney faking his man in the air and now comes out with a dribble. Spins back, looks for help, shoots it, and gets it off the glass. Birds lead by one, 47 to 46. Illinois State held the lead the rest of the way, posting a shaky 51-49 win over Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Ricky Johnson was 9-for-11 from the field and led the way with 22 points. It was a win, but not the kind of win ISU fans have grown accustomed to. But the Birds looked like a different team four nights later against Illinois-Chicago. ISU bombarded the Flames at Horton Fieldhouse 93-62 with Lou Stefanovich scoring a career-high 29 points. Then came a 54-44 win over Southwest Missouri State. The Bears tried to slow it down against the quicker Redbirds, but ISU shot 62% from the field. So, the Birds were 3-0 heading into their annual matchup with DePaul. Again, the game was at Horton Fieldhouse. The Blue Demons were also unbeaten and were ranked among the top teams in the nation. Illinois State was down by nine at halftime. 
With eight minutes to go, DePaul was still up by seven. Then, a basket by sophomore Bill Braxick cut the gap to five, which is as close as the birds had been since the first half. But just a few moments later, the birds made it even closer. Now McKinney with the ball. Right side pass, Ricky Johnson. In the loo, shot by Stefanovic is in and out and back in. Birds are within three points. 67-64, DePaul wants a timeout. After the timeout, DePaul's Marty Embry hit one of two free throws to put the Demons up by four. But then Lou Stefanovic made a pair of free tosses, and ISU was to within two with seven minutes left. It was a critical possession for the Blue Demons. Jackson gets it up high. Right side feet, Corbin with a basketball. One bounce, and he'll put it up to Patterson. Patterson down the lane, driving, shooting it up there, missing. Rebound, Corbin, who lays it up and gets it. Great rebound by Ty Corbin, who's really been tough on the offensive boards. That's his first basket of the game. And it turned out to be the biggest basket of the game. A few minutes later, DePaul scored again, and the Demons were on their way to an 84-71 win. The Birds had been held to 43% shooting from the field. ISU had lost its first game of the season to the team which had finished Illinois State's season the year before in the NCAA tournament in Lincoln, Nebraska. Next was ISU's first road game of the year, Wisconsin-Green Bay, and also ran from the weak Mid-Continent Conference, was the opponent. With three minutes to go, the Birds found themselves down three. But Illinois State found a way to pull it out, winning 52-49 and limping home with a 4-1 record. The performance was much better a week later at Horton Fieldhouse when the Birds beat Detroit 76-73. ISU led by 11 with just two minutes to go before the Titans finished with a flurry to make it look closer than it really was. Then it was on to California for the American Savings Classic in Stockton. Texas A&M was Illinois State's first-round opponent. The Aggies, like the Birds, were 5-1. And, and it was A&M which led by 5 at halftime and which increased the margin to 11 midway through the second half. But then the Birds came to life, outscoring the Aggies 17-6 and tying the game with a minute and a half to go on a loose Stefanovic jump shot. Then, with 19 seconds to go, ISU freshman Tony Hollifield made a great move to the basket and drew a foul. But Hollifield, shooting the first two free throws of his college career, missed them both. And when A&M rebounded the second miss, the Aggies had a chance to win it. Down to 11 seconds left now. We're tied up here at California. Holloway with it, guarded by McKenney. Here's Holloway driving, pulling up, shooting it, and missing. It's short, rebound, tapped out of bounds with the buzzer sounding, and that's the end of regulation time. And so the birds, and particularly Tony Hollifield, breathed a big sigh of relief and went out and dominated the extra five minutes, winning 74-66. to It was the first overtime victory for Illinois State in over two years, and it was the first of six overtime games for the Redbirds in this 84-85 season. ISU had not won a holiday tournament in six years. They'd finished second five times in a row. The win over A&M gave the Birds another chance to finish first, and this time they made the most of it. Before a few hundred lethargic fans in California, ISU waltzed to a 77-58 win in the title game over the University of San Diego, and the Birds celebrated by cutting down the nets. Lou Stefanovic, who hit 19 of his 25 field goal attempts in the two games, was named tournament MVP. There was more net cutting to be done just a week later. This time, the birds traveled east for the Fleet Classic in Providence, Rhode Island. Illinois State opened against Northeastern, 
a team which had played in the NCAA the year before and which was favored to win its conference again in 1984-85. ISU trailed early in the second half but came back to win it 92-84. Brad Duncan scored his career high of 26 and the Birds moved into the title game against Big East representative Providence. The Friars had the home court advantage but the Birds had a 15-point lead at the half. They upped the margin to 19 before Providence staged a strong comeback. The lead was all the way down to five with four minutes to go, and Providence had the ball. As Starch drives the lane, goes off to the side, Waller's shot is not good, rebound for Wright, who puts it in. I don't know where they've hidden this young player, but he is having one heck of a game tonight. 19 points for him, and it's 54-51, Birds leading by three. They have the ball as Johnson drives underneath, layup. Yes, Ricky Johnson with a big drive down the baseline. He's been taking it to the bucket and producing for the Birds, who now lead again by five. Then ISU got the ball right back and regained control of the game on a basket by Michael McKinney. Here's McKinney driving. He'll shoot it. He got it. Michael McKinney with a big basket with two minutes to go, and the Birds are up by seven. As McKinney penetrated the lane, they gave him some room, and he took advantage. And Illinois State was on its way to a 65-59 win over the Friars. After failing to win a holiday tournament for six years, the Birds had won two of them within the space of two weeks. And that made Ricky Johnson feel better than ever about the upcoming Missouri Valley Conference season. Yeah, we had always finished second uh, in the holiday tournament uh, for my previous three years, uh, always bringing home the second place trophy. So uh, the fact that we won both of those tournaments really gave us some momentum going into the uh, conference uh, season. The Birds took a 10-1 record into the conference opener at Drake. And even though Lou Stefanovich and Bill Braxick fouled out, the Birds were in control all the way as they won 66-56. The Birds out-rebounded the Dogs by seven. And little Michael McKenney was most responsible for that, grabbing a game-high eight boards. Then it was on to Omaha to face the Creighton Blue Jays. The Jays had been beaten in their conference opener by Bradley, but they'd raised a few eyebrows with non-conference wins over the likes of Notre Dame and Chaminade. The Birds were playing their sixth straight game away from home and appeared a little weary in losing 73-63. Benoit Benjamin was the difference with 16 points and 15 rebounds. The Birds returned to Horton Fieldhouse for the first time in almost four weeks and won their MVC home opener over Southern Illinois 78-63. Sophomore Bill Braxick, with 9 of 12 from the field that night, scored his career high of 22 points. So Illinois State was 2-1 in the Valley as Wichita State moved into Horton for a Saturday afternoon contest. The Shockers had struggled through the non-conference season but were riding high with wins in their first two Missouri Valley Conference games. The game was close throughout but the Shockers appeared in good shape with a four-point lead and only a minute to go. Then, a Tony Hollifield layup cut the gap to two with 50 seconds left. And then, Wichita State's Cedric Coleman missed the front end of a one-and-one, and and the Birds had a chance to tie. Here comes Brad up top, goes to Stefanovic. Birds trying to force an overtime as Ricky Johnson gets the ball. Ricky dribbling up on top. Now Duncan shot. It is not good. Rebound McKinney who goes up and misses. A whistle. A foul is called. And Michael with six. There was no reason for me to run back on defense because if we didn't get this, uh, get the ball in basket right now, then we won't have a chance to win. So I just went to the boards and I just saw a little opening and I just jumped and got the ball. McKinney made the first of his two free throws to cut the lead to one. Then came the second free throw. Here comes the toss on the way, and it is good, and the Birds have tied the score. 
That was a net job. Wichita State has a chance to win it as our line comes down court. Up on top, our line now on the right side. Six seconds to go in regulation. Here's the pass inside. Santos driving, shooting, missed it. Rebound, birds. Two seconds left. Whistle, traveling with one second to go. Sanders called for traveling after he got the rebound, and that'll give the Shockers another opportunity. But Wichita State was not quite able to take advantage of that extra chance to send the Horton Fieldhouse patrons home a little earlier than desired. Inbounds pass from Santos. McDaniel is down low. Sherrod is up on top. Santos looking. Gets it in. McDaniel shot in. Time is rolling. No good. And it's overtime here at Horton Fieldhouse. When the ball really uh, left Xavier's hands, I, I actually thought it had a good chance of going in. And, and although he didn't have great balance, uh, a great uh, a great athlete like himself oftentimes doesn't need uh, really good balance. He can just kind of throw, and that's what it was. Overtime as McDaniel got the pass. He shot it. From about eight feet away, he was relatively open, but he missed the shot short. And another five minutes of basketball here for the fans at Horton Fieldhouse. Well, I really felt confident once we got into overtime. I, I felt that if we can get the game into overtime, then we can really have a chance to uh, win the game. Johnson with it. Here's Duncan. Shot by Brad. It is good. Birds are up by two. This is their... Uh, I just came off the screen, and, and the shot was there, so I put it up, and it went in. And I think that maybe got us rolling a little bit. Michael's got it. McKinney down court. Layup is no. Follow. Yes. Ricky Johnson and the Birds lead by four. The fact that Michael got the steal and got and got down the court, I was just trying to follow the play, and uh, luckily I got the tip in. And the Birds went on to win it, 86 to 80. Illinois State had overcome a 29.19 rebound performance by All-American Xavier McDaniel. ISU was three and one in the Valley and 12 and two overall. The 3-1 mark was good enough for second place in the Missouri Valley. First place Tulsa was next for the Birds. The Golden Hurricane came to Horton Fieldhouse with a 4-0 conference mark. After a big win at home over Oklahoma, Tulsa had moved into the top 20. But the Birds jumped to an early 23-9 lead and were still up by 7 at the intermission. ISU was still holding to a 7-point lead with 4 minutes to go when it all started to fall apart. Just three minutes later, Tulsa's Brian Boudreaux made a pair of free throws, and the Redbird advantage had melted to just one point. That was followed by a turnover by the Birds, and Tulsa had the ball with 30 seconds left, with a chance to take the lead for the first time since the early minutes of the game. Here's Boudreaux with it. 23 seconds to go in the game. Harris takes the shot. He got it, and Tulsa leads for the first time in the second half. But the Birds have the ball. Now 16 seconds left. Here's McKinney. Off to Ricky Johnson. Birds need a bucket to win it. Johnson with it. Puts it out to Michael. Now down to seven. Michael pulls up, shoots it. He missed it. Off the rim, Braxic shoots. No. One second left. Foul's been called. Foul has been called. One second left. That ball hung on the rim forever. Billy Braxic went to get it. He missed his his try on the rebound but he drew the foul and so the seven foot sophomore from flanagan was on the line to shoot two with his team down by one one second to go in the game as he fires it up there it's on the way and it is not good too long and billy has one more chance to get the tie 67 66 tulsa with its first lead of the half right here with one second to go another one coming for braxick he eyes the bucket, fires it up there, and gets it! 
and it was tied. Tulsa was unable to get a shot off in the final second, and for the second game in a row, the Birds were forced to work a little overtime. Unfortunately, in this extra period, it was Tulsa's Steve Harris who most deserved to be paid time and a half. First, the lanky 6'5 guard hit a 15-foot jumper to put Tulsa up by two. Then he drew a fifth foul on Braxick to put ISU's big guy on the bench. Harris made both free throws, and the Hurricane led by four. A bit later, with two minutes left, Tulsa was still up by four and had the ball. Herbert Johnson gets it. Now he shoots it, and he missed it. Rebound tipped in the air. It's loose. Now hits the rim. No good. Rebound Stefanovic. And here come the Birds. Still in it. They're down by four. A minute and a half to go. Driving. Hollowfield shot. Good. Foul is called. Bucket. No. Well, the other official took it away from him. Traveling was called. I believe that Ron Zetcher was ready to call a foul and a bucket. And Bob Donawald is really livid. Well, I was greatly surprised that the official made the call because he was not in a position to make it. He was just barely over the 10-second line. And there's an official standing right on top of the play who makes the call. Ironically enough, it was a poor call. Uh, uh, Tony does not travel on a doggone thing. But as an official is coming down the floor and he's just crossed over the 10-second line, I mean, a youngster almost has to run like it's a, uh, he's going for a first down in order for an official to make that kind of call and I and I really felt that that particular play uh, really was a straw that broke the camel's back the final score was 79 to 69 instead of coming from behind to force an overtime as the birds did against Wichita State ISU had given up a big lead and had lost the momentum by the time the extra period got underway Bob Donawald says he didn't feel nearly as good going into the OT against Tulsa as he did going into the extra five minutes against Wichita. No, I really didn't, and I don't think the kids did, and yet I think that was a, a very good learning experience for us because we talked a lot about it afterwards and, and compared the two situations and really relied upon that experience from then on every time we went into another overtime, which for a while, as you well remember, uh, seemed like that was the way we were going to play every game. The Birds were to play three more extra period games within the next three weeks, and they were to win them all. The first of those three came just two days after the loss to Tulsa. ISU took a break from its Missouri Valley schedule to face Chicago State, again at Horton. The Cougars were in their first year of Division I competition. They'd already scored some big wins, including one at Wichita, so the Birds knew they might be in for a tough afternoon. They knew it even better when Chicago State led by four with just five minutes to go. But ISU came back to tie it on a Bill Braxick jump shot. Braxick scored the first two points in overtime, and the Birds raced to a 79-66 win. Braxick was 8 for 11 from the field and scored 18 points to help offset a 32-point performance by Chicago State's Charles Perry. The overall record for the Redbirds was now 13-3. The following Thursday night, the birds were in Terre Haute, Indiana. The Sycamores of Indiana State had shown themselves to be an improved team, especially at home where they'd beaten Minnesota and Bradley. Early on, Illinois State looked to be Indiana State's next victim. The Sycamores led by nine at the half, but ISU was a different team in the second half. The birds roared back to gain the lead just six minutes into the second half. The game remained close the rest of the way, but it was the birds who were up by four with just over a minute to go. Then, Indiana State scored, and the Redbirds' lead was down to two. The Birds had the ball, but because of the shot clock, ISU was forced to shoot before the final buzzer. Down to ten seconds on the shot clock. 
Brad Duncan with it. Cross court McKinney. Michael driving. Now he stops and shoots it. He missed it. And the rebound Winters. 18 seconds to go. Indiana State could tie it. Across the timeline we go. And of course there's a possibility here of another overtime. McComb with the ball. Indiana State looking to tie. Fields shoots it. It is good. Four seconds to go. The Birds call a timeout. The clock has dwindled down to nothing, but the Birds did call the timeout in time. But ISU's final shot in regulation was not good. And for the fourth straight game, it was on to an overtime period. The game remained close in OT. With a minute and a half to go, Michael McKinney hit from outside to tie the score. With 52 seconds to go, Indiana State's Jeff McComb was fouled. He made one of two free throws to put his team up by one. But then, Ricky Johnson of the Birds was fouled with 35 seconds left. Johnson had two free throws coming. I hit one to tie the game. I, I had a chance for one more that would have put us ahead by one, but I missed it. Johnson cocks the wrist. He fires up the second free throw. It is rolling. No good. Indiana State has the rebound, and they I have a chance going now back to down win court, the final shot. Thinking that the if they hit this shot, I was going to be pretty much the GOAT. They're waiting for the last shot. The bucket that could win it here as Kegarice has the ball up top. Now driving. He gets it with seven seconds to go. Throws it away. Ricky with it. I got a good line. look at the clock. It was four seconds, and uh, I got to the 10-second line. So I figured two more dribbles I can get to about 20 feet, and I just let it go from there. Ricky with it at the timeline. He drives, shoots it at the buzzer. It's good. And the birds have won it. Johnson shooting it at the buzzer. And the birds win it. A steal by Ricky. I thought he had a chance to hit the shot as he crossed the timeline. And the reason I felt that is because as he was going, he was under control. And he looks up at the clock to see how much time he's got. And from there on, he counted to himself until he just got close enough to get up in the air. And once his eyes went to the, the scoreboard... I said to myself, he's really under control. He's got a chance to make the play, and what a heck of a shot. The 85-83 victory upped the Redbird record in the Valley to 4-2 and, and kept the Birds within two games of unbeaten Tulsa. Two days later, the Birds were back at Horton Fieldhouse for their first meeting of the year with arch-rival Bradley. The result was Illinois State's seventh straight win over the Braves. Despite Lou Stefanovich's two-for-10 performance from the field, the Birds won 65-55. Ricky Johnson scored 21, and Michael McKinney had his season high of 20 points. The Birds took their 5-2 conference mark to Southern Illinois. Illinois State had had an easy time with the Salukis at Horton Fieldhouse, but as usual, it was a different story in Carbondale. The Redbirds were up by one with 12 minutes to play, but Southern scored the next basket and never trailed again on the way to a decisive 63-50 win. The Birds suddenly found themselves three games down on Tulsa, and first place seemed almost out of reach. It helped that Tulsa lost at Indiana State two nights later. That lowered the difference between the two teams to two games as the Birds moved into Tulsa for a Wednesday night confrontation with the Golden Hurricane. Memories of a big win at Tulsa the year before were fresh in the minds of the Birds as they stepped onto the court at the Tulsa Convention Center Arena. The game was incredibly close all the way. Neither team led by more than six points all night long. And through the final 18 minutes of this game, the biggest lead was three points. It was dead even with one minute to go, and both teams missed a chance to win it in the final seconds of regulation. And so, for the sixth time, the Redbirds geared up for a little overtime work. 
Tulsa, which had beaten the Birds in an overtime game at Horton just three weeks earlier, took the early advantage in OT. Just under three minutes left, the Hurricane led by two and got the ball back on an almost fatal Redbird mistake. And Johnson goes to Brad, inside pass, knocked away from Lou, loose ball, picked off by Tulsa, here's the pass to Moss, he's got a layup and he missed it, he missed it, rebound Ricky, Johnson back the other way, here's the pass to the corner, and Stefanovic slows it up and brings it back out, now Duncan into Hollifield, layup is good, a foul has been called, the bucket will count, and the Birds have tied the score and now could go up by one. Freshman Tony Hollifield, who had proven earlier in the year to be a big liability on the free throw line, made his fifth pressure-packed free throw in five tries in this game to put the birds ahead for the first time in the overtime. There were two minutes to go. Each team scored two points, and the birds were still up by one when Tulsa's Herbert Johnson was fouled with 35 seconds to go. Herbert Johnson now set to shoot the free throw, the first of a one-and-one. One. A big free throw on the way for Johnson as he fires it, and he gets it. It rolled on that rim. Hit the glass, back to the rim, and fell through, and it's all tied up. Somebody's going to church. Johnson will try it again. He could put his team up by one. 35 seconds to go as he fires it, and he gets that one, too. He rolled that one in there. And the I didn't think neither one of them was going in, but uh, that's that home court bounce for you, and they went in, and I was thinking um, the guys that played so hard, Everybody, everybody stepped on the court really played hard. We was coming off a disappointing loss. And everybody stepped on the court really played hard that game. And I was just thinking, God, it would be a shame if we lost this game. With the game clock running down, the Birds were having trouble finding the shot they needed to put themselves back in front. And Bob Donawald was forced to call for a timeout with 10 seconds to go. After talking it over, the Birds inbounded, still down by one big point. Everybody here in Tulsa standing... As Ricky Johnson prepares to get it in for the Birds. ISU down by one. Ten seconds to go in overtime. Johnson gets it in. Here's Michael driving, pulling up, shooting it. He got it. Birds lead by one. Four seconds to go. Tulsa they gave him the shot. Out. I think they was keen on Brad for that last shot or keen on Lou. But I just took the shot since they gave it to me. Did you have a pretty good feeling about it when you let it go? No. <laughs> you didn't think it was going in? Well, um... I think that was only my second basket, the, uh, the second half of the night. And so I wasn't really into any type of shooting flow. Uh, but I just shot it with confidence. I didn't hesitate to shoot. I, I shot it, and uh, it did go in. And the Birds had a one-point lead with four seconds to go. But Tulsa still had one more chance to pull it out. Nobody on the inbound passer as Williams looks to get it in and does so to Boudreaux. He's at half court, down to two seconds left. Boudreaux driving, shot on the way. It is... No good! No good! It rimmed out of there! It was a good-looking shot! But when he shot the ball, I thought the ball was going right through the net. But it didn't. It rolled out. It was a very close shot from uh, from the distance he took it at. And I'm glad it rolled out. win for the second time in a row in Tulsa. 73-72. to 72. ISU holds on to beat the Golden Hurricane. <laughs> The win put the Birds within one game of Tulsa, but Wichita State had taken over first. The Shockers' only loss up until that point had been to ISU. Three days later, the Birds kept pace with a 67-46 win at home over Drake. And that evening, Tulsa won at Wichita State, and the Birds were now within one game of both the Hurricane and the Shockers.
following week, the Redbirds hit the road. ISU had a Thursday night game at West Texas State, and then a Saturday night contest at Wichita State. The Buffaloes of West Texas were in last place in the Valley. ISU had never lost a conference game to the Buffs. But the Birds found themselves down by 11 at the half. And when the Birds still trailed by eight with three minutes to go, Brad Duncan knew he and his teammates had taken too much for granted. We feel if we play with a great amount of intensity and if we put, come out and play hard every night that we can play with anybody. And that was just one of those nights where we didn't do that. A situation maybe where you just didn't give them enough respect going into the game? I think that that was a big part of it, yeah. Coach had been telling us all along that they were the best West Texas team he'd ever seen, but I guess we didn't listen. But ISU still came close to pulling it out. Duncan led the charge, hitting 9 of 12 from the field in the second half. But even after a pair of free throws by Tony Hollifield, the birds were down by three with just 22 seconds left and West Texas had the ball. Buffalo's with it, here's the pass to Carmen, lost it, picked up by Child, driving shot, it's not good, whistle, and a foul, and it's against the Buffaloes. A charge against the Buffaloes, and ISU is going to get a one-and-one, one. and what a mistake by West Texas State. They went to the bucket when they had the ball, and a three-point lead, and around 20 seconds to go, now 16 seconds to go, and a tremendous mistake by William Childs, his fourth foul, and that puts the birds back in business. Especially after Michael McKinney made both free throws to cut the lead to just one. A few moments later, the Buffs were back at the free throw line, trying to protect a two-point lead with eight seconds to go. The free throw is not good. Rebound birds. They've got a chance to tie. Five seconds left. Here's Duncan. Long one by Brad is not good. And the rebound. Duncan gets the shot away. Not good. There's the buzzer. And that's the game. The final score was 68-66. to 66. The birds had just barely missed an opportunity to play in still another overtime game. And in the process, had greatly damaged their Missouri Valley Conference title hopes. The Birds suddenly found themselves down two games on Tulsa. Thanks to Creighton's win that same evening over Wichita State, the Birds still trailed the Shockers by just one game. But they were also a game down on the Blue Jays. ISU had sunk to fourth place. The trip from Amarillo to Wichita was not a pleasant one. But Bob Donawal liked what he saw once his team arrived in Kansas. I thought there was just uh, a, a real togetherness about the team and, and a, a total commitment uh, from the from the time really that we that we uh, that we landed in Wichita until we we left there. Even after ISU fell behind 15 to six, Donawal says he had a good feeling about this game. And sure enough, the birds came back to force a tie at the intermission. It remained close the rest of the way. In fact, it was still tied with just under three minutes to go, and the birds had the ball. 2.43 to go in the game, as McKenney has it. Shot clock down to 20 seconds. Tamphorn shot. It is good. Matt Tamphorn with one of his biggest buckets ever from the left wing about 18 feet away. Uh, he didn't hesitate on that one. He knew it when he was open, and he drilled it. And it's Matt comes off the screen, and he's at about 16 to 17 feet. And normally what he would do in that situation is be very uh, hesitant. and and uh, But, boy, he didn't. He just turned and, and was open and, and, and never thought twice. He just went up in the air and knocked the ball in. And, and needless to say, that's his biggest basket that, that he's hit in his short career. Taphorn's basket had made it a two-point ISU lead. With just under two minutes left, the Shockers missed, and ISU rebounded. So the Birds had the ball with a two-point edge. 
The idea was to use as much of the shot clock as possible. Johnson looking, going to Brad, fakes the shot, the shot clock down to 10 right now. Up top, Taphorn fakes another shot. Now gets rid of it. Duncan with it. Shot clock at five. Hook pass inside. Stefanovic. Get it back to Duncan. Long one is good. The birds get it with one second on the shot clock, and they lead by four. He buried it from 30 foot. What a shot. Well, I remember kicking it into Lou, throwing the ball into Lou in the post, and I thought he would know, too, that the shot clock was running now, but obviously he didn't, and he passed it right back out. And so I just, as soon as I got it, I just shot it. And Fortunately, went in. It went in with 59 seconds to go, and the Birds were on their way to another big win on the road. The final, ISU 64-58. to Illinois State held All-American Xavier McDaniel to less than 20 points, the first time that had happened since the very beginning of the season. Derek Sanders, Tony Hollifield, and Matt Taphorn had shared the defensive assignment on the man known to college basketball fans around the nation as X. That same evening, Tulsa had won at Creighton, and the Birds found themselves in a second-place tie with the Shockers and the Blue Jays, still two games down on first-place Tulsa. But the Birds seemed to have the schedule on their side. The first of three straight home games was against West Texas State, and the Birds paid the Buffaloes back for that game down in Amarillo the previous week. 74-58 was the final. Tulsa lost that night at home to Bradley, and the Birds were back to within one game of first. Creighton came to Horton Fieldhouse next, and the Blue Jays might as well have stayed home. Benoit Benjamin was totally frustrated by ISU's defense and scored a career low of five points. The Birds won 89-61 as Derek Sanders matched his career high of 18 points. The last of the three straight games at home was against Indiana State. The Redbirds won it 75-64. The following night, the Birds received an astounding piece of good news. Tulsa had lost at West Texas State. That meant a three-way tie for first place with one game to play. The Birds, on the final Saturday of the regular season, would play at Bradley, while the Hurricane and the Shockers would face one another in Tulsa. With a win, the Birds would finish in a tie for first with the winner of that Wichita State-Tulsa game. But it was not to be. Bradley finally ended its long losing string against the Birds, and the Braves did it convincingly. Here's Brad Duncan off to Sanders. Derek double-teamed, almost lost it. Loose ball picked off by Les. Here's a two-on-two. Jimmy Les off to Hawkins, who gets it, shoots it, and scores. I tell you what, the Braves can't play any better. I don't know whether the Redbirds can play better. They surely haven't. 19-point lead for Bradley, their biggest. The Braves rolled on to an 82-69 win, and the Birds settled for a second-place tie with Wichita State. Tulsa won the league's regular season title with a 13-3 record. The Birds and Shockers both finished a 12-4. For the third year in a row, ISU had finished with a 21-6 regular season mark. The two previous seasons, that had been good enough for a trip to the NCAA tournament. But the Redbirds still preferred an automatic invitation, which would go to the winner of the conference postseason tournament. <laughs> Illinois State drew Indiana State for its first round opponent. The Birds had beaten the Sycamores twice, but it had taken an overtime to get the job done in Terre Haute. But this game was at Horton Fieldhouse, and Redbird fans were quite optimistic, especially when the Birds jumped to a 26-21 lead with five minutes to go in the half. 
but then the trouble started. Indiana State surged to a five-point halftime lead and led by 13 10 minutes into the second half. The Birds made their move shortly thereafter. With five minutes to go, the Indiana State lead had been cut to six. Horton Fieldhouse was rocking as the Birds brought the ball down court, looking to cut the margin to four. Here comes Ricky. Johnson on the run, driving past. Sanders layup. Yes! What a pass inside! He looked one way and shoved it down the other way, and Sanders was there. And Birds the, are in it, Dick. They're back to it in four. Here comes Indiana State with 4.18 to go. Fields now gets it back from McComb. Here's the pass inside. Winters got it knocked away and stolen. Sanders, what a rake inside. Sanders got it off to Stefanovic. Now Johnson across the line. Here comes Ricky to Brad. His shot is good. And the birds are within two points. Oh, they're going crazy. And Skillhouse says settle down. But the fans have got the birds going, Dick. That crowd was the best crowd that we've had at Illinois State since we won the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. It was almost like we were emotionally and physically drained and, and we were laboring. And I think starting in the second half, early in the second half, the crowd sensed that. And, and, and the crowd got to the point where I felt they were during that tournament. And had they not been that way, I don't think the game would have been as close. I thought they just did a marvelous job. But the crowd couldn't quite get the birds over the hump. After the timeout, the Sycamores inbounded, up by just two points. But then Indiana State got one to go its way. Here's the pass to Edwards. Cross-court feed. Winters driving. Here's the foul. It's on Stefanovic. As Edwards crashed into him, Lou went down, hoping for a charge, and the call did not go his way, and Bob Donawald off the bench. I was disappointed in the call in that... Um, in that had it been properly called, now we have a chance to, uh, you know, maybe win the ball game. And, and for all practical purposes, again, that was a straw that, that broke the camel's back. That, that prevented us from winning the game. Two free throws by Ralph Winters put the Sycamores back up by four. And Indiana State held on for the 66-61 upset win. And Redbird fans started to wonder whether their team would be in for a third straight trip to the NCAA. Hopes were lowered even further when Wichita State upset Tulsa in the Missouri Valley Tournament Championship game in Tulsa. That forced the tournament selection committee to take the Shockers and the Hurricane ahead of the Birds. But the news on Selection Sunday was that all three teams were in. It was the first time in the history of the Missouri Valley Conference that three teams had been selected for the NCAA Tournament. ISU was matched against Pac-10 Conference co-champ Southern Cal. The game would be played in Tulsa at Oral Roberts University's Maybe Center. The Trojans were 19-9. They were the number eight seed in the 16-team Midwest Regional. The Redbirds were seeded ninth. The makings were there for a close game, and that's just what came about. ISU did jump to an early nine-point lead, but then had a horrible time late in the first half. The Trojans outscored the Birds by 20-5 to during one stretch, and USC led by four at the half. USC stretched the margin to seven early in the second half when the Birds came to life. With 11 and a half minutes still to play, ISU had cut the lead to two and hand the ball. Here comes McKinney driving and going to the corner. Stefanovic wouldn't take the shot that time. 
It comes out to Brand. Duncan will take it. It is not good off the back iron. Rebound, Braxick, who goes to the hoop and lays it up and gets it. Billy Braxick was fouled as well, and he'll go to the line. as Braxick I thought that that was a, a critical play for us. I thought it was a critical play for Billy. It was a shot by Duncan out on the, uh, the right side of the key, and it carried off to him, and Billy was in the lane, and he re actually had to reach back and catch it, and uh, then he put it on the deck once and took the ball right at the bucket and uh, completed the three-point play. And put the birds up by one point, giving ISU its first lead of the second half. Then, the teams exchanged baskets until there were five minutes to go. USC had a one-point lead, but the birds had the ball. 45-44 USC leading as Duncan shoots it long and gets it from deep in the corner. A big bucket by Brad. Deep in the corner, he was dead corner. I'm glad he wasn't out of bounds because it wouldn't have counted. And that was a big basket right there. That it was, because it put the birds ahead to stay. A moment later, Lou Stefanovic scored to make it a three-point lead for ISU. After USC scored to cut it back to one, the Birds decided to go to the delay game. The decision was made despite the fact that the Birds, with the shot clock in effect, had not been able to use the delay game during the regular season. And there was a TV timeout, I believe, at that particular time, and the team sat down, and, and uh, it, the team was all in agreement. Hey, this is what we need to do. Let's put ourselves in a position where they foul us and put us to the line, or let's make sure what we get is just something that we just can't turn down. The Birds delayed for almost three minutes before the Trojans put Michael McKenney at the line with just over a minute to go. McKenney's first free throw of the game with 1.14 to go. The Birds by one as he shoots it and gets it, and the Birds lead by two. Yeah, he drained that one all the way at the bottom of the net. Wasn't any question about it. No iron. Michael, who missed a big pair of free throws in the Indiana State loss, will try to get another one down here. 49-47 Redbirds as the toss is on the way, and it is good, and the Birds lead by three. That's what you call string music right there. That's sweetness. We're down to 110 to go. Redbirds 50, USC 47. Here's Friend now on the right side. Derek Sanders in there guarding Holmes as the pass came to Holmes. Now to Smith, who drives, penetrates, shoots it. He missed it. Rebound, Birds! Michael McKinney has got it. And the Birds with a three-point lead and the ball. And now a foul is called. And a two-shot foul is called against Larry Friend as Michael McKinney will go back to the line. And the Birds suddenly here look in great shape with 53 seconds left to go. McKinney made two more free throws and then made two more a little later, and the Redbirds held on for a 58-55 win, their second win ever in the NCAA tournament. That put the Birds against the Midwest Regional's number one seed, the Sooners of Oklahoma, who were ranked fourth in the nation. No one gave Illinois State too much of a chance. The big question was, how would the Birds defend against 6'9 All-American Wayman Tisdale? The Birds sagged off the other Oklahoma players to provide help on Tisdale, but the big guy was still almost impossible to stop. Nonetheless, the Birds managed to stay right in the game with some solid play of their own. The Oklahoma lead was just five points with just under eight minutes to go. The Birds had the ball. Here's Lou turning and shooting, and he got it from the baseline, and the Birds are back to within three points. Which was as close as the Birds had been in the second half. Oklahoma then scored to build the lead back to five, but Lou Stefanovic struck again. Here now is Ricky going to the right. Now backpedaling a bit on the wing. Here's the feed to Lou at the left wing. He'll shoot it. He got it. They gave him that one, and he took it from 21 feet away, and the birds are back to within three. But Oklahoma came right back to score again, and the Sooners were up by five. 
And then, Wayman Tisdale put the proverbial cherry on top of the Sunday. Anthony Bowie goes off to McAllister, and now, with the ball up top is Davis. Into the corner it goes. And now back up top, Davis. Kennedy lobbed Tisdale, he jams it! And Oklahoma leads by seven. Another major league play by Wayman Tisdale. The Sooners won it, 75-69. to As the birds hung tough until the very end, delaying the Sooner celebration until the final minute. Tisdale wound up with 29 points. He hit 14 of 16 from the field. But Redbird coach Bob Donawald felt his team had played well in finishing up a season in which the final ledger read 22 wins, 8 losses. For Bob Donawald, it was a most memorable season with a most memorable team. The thing I will remember most is that it was uh, maybe more than any of our other teams, a team that found different ways to win basketball games. It was, it was a team that wasn't overly quick. It wasn't uh, overly powerful. Uh, it wasn't overly, uh, overly gifted in any particular phase of the game. And yet, it, it seemed to blend together well enough to, to come up with different ways. Uh, most of our wins were not easy wins, and most of our wins were very close. Uh, our margin of victory is is very small, and yet for a team that that wins 22 ball games and uh, uh, finishes in second place in its own league, uh, beats a Pac-10 champion, uh, uh, battles a number four team in the country uh, for 40 minutes, it, it was a team that just refused to quit and 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 pushed itself and drove itself and and as a result of that uh, achieved a, a certain amount or a certain degree of success.
everybody here in Tulsa standing as Ricky Jensen prepares to get it in for the Birds. ISU down by one. Ten seconds to go in overtime. Johnson gets it in. Here's Michael driving, pulling up, shooting it. He got it. Birds lead by one. Four seconds. Working overtime. A salute to the 1984-85 Illinois State Redbirds. And a look back over an exciting season in which the Birds played in six overtime games and won five of them. The Redbirds, who fought their way to a second-place tie in the tough Missouri Valley Conference and who knocked off Pac-10 champ Southern Cal in the NCAA Tournament. Working overtime with play-by-play -play memories from WJBC's Dick Ludke and Tom Hodson, comments from Coach Bob Donawald and from Redbirds' Michael McKinney, Brad Duncan, and Ricky Johnson. And with a special thanks to Larry Frank and the Red Top Band. And thanks to you, the fans who've made Horton Fieldhouse a tough place to visit for the opponents and who follow the Redbirds on the road through your presence and through listening to WJBC broadcasts. I'm Don Munson, and this one's for you, Redbird fans, and we're working overtime. State rolled out a barrel of question marks in the fall. With the graduation of the Bruce Brothers, Hank Cornley, and Mark Zwart, Illinois State's basketball Redbirds had lost their image as a blue-collar team. The 1984-85 version of the Birds was going to have to rely much less on the inside game, which had been the key to two straight NCAA tournament berths for ISU. The returning seniors, guards Michael McKinney and Brad Duncan, swingman Ricky Johnson, and forward Lou Stefanovic, had all been outside players. I don't think there's been a season that I, I've gone into where I felt uh, really more unsure of ourselves going into the doggone thing, because I believe that in order to be a competitive basketball team, you must establish an inside game, and, and that was the one area where we got hurt the most through graduation. The implication from Coach Bob Donawald was that this team would have to work extra hard, would have to put in some overtime in order to get the job done. After a less than inspiring performance in the international exhibition game against Yugoslavia, the Birds prepared for their season opener against Wisconsin Stevens Point. The Pointers were a top NAIA team, but the fans at Horton Fieldhouse were more than a little surprised to see Wisconsin Stevens Point jump to a nine-point lead midway through the second half. But the Birds fought back. A backdoor basket for Michael McKinney with five minutes to go, cut the lead to three. Then a Stefanovic tip-in, cut the margin to one. A minute later, ISU had the ball back with a chance to take its first lead since early in the second half. Now tap horn. Here's McKinney faking his man in the air and now comes out with a dribble. Spins back, looks for help, shoots it, and gets it off the glass. Birds lead by one, 47 to 46. Illinois State held the lead the rest of the way, posting a shaky 51-49 win over Wisconsin Stevens Point. Ricky Johnson was 9 for 11 from the field and led the way with 22 points. It was a win, but not the kind of win ISU fans have grown accustomed to. But the Birds looked like a different team four nights later against Illinois Chicago. ISU bombarded the Flames at Horton Fieldhouse, 93-62, with Lou Stefanovic scoring a career-high 29 points. Then came a 54-44 win over Southwest Missouri State. The Bears tried to slow it down against the quicker Redbirds, but ISU shot 62% from the field. So, the Birds were 3-0, heading into their annual matchup with DePaul. Again, the game was at Horton Fieldhouse. The Blue Demons were also unbeaten and were ranked among the top teams in the nation. Illinois State was down by nine at halftime. 
With eight minutes to go, DePaul was still up by seven. Then, a basket by sophomore Bill Braxick cut the gap to five, which is as close as the birds had been since the first half. But just a few moments later, the birds made it even closer. Now McKinney with the ball. Right side pass, Ricky Johnson. In the loo, shot by Stefanovic is in and out and back in. Birds are within three points. 67-64, DePaul wants a timeout. After the timeout, DePaul's Marty Embry hit one of two free throws to put the Demons up by four. But then Lou Stefanovic made a pair of free tosses, and ISU was to within two with seven minutes left. It was a critical possession for the Blue Demons. Jackson gets it up high, right side feet, Corbin with a basketball. One bounce, and he'll put it up to Patterson. Patterson down the lane, driving, shooting it up there, missing. Rebound, Corbin, who lays it up and gets it. Great rebound by Ty Corbin, who's really been tough on the offensive boards. That's his first basket of the game. And it turned out to be the biggest basket of the game. A few minutes later, DePaul scored again, and the Demons were on their way to an 84-71 win. The Birds had been held to 43% shooting from the field. ISU had lost its first game of the season to the team which had finished Illinois State's season the year before in the NCAA tournament in Lincoln, Nebraska. Next was ISU's first road game of the year, Wisconsin-Green Bay, and also ran from the weak Mid-Continent Conference, was the opponent. With three minutes to go, the Birds found themselves down three. But Illinois State found a way to pull it out, winning 52-49 and limping home with a 4-1 record. The performance was much better a week later at Horton Fieldhouse when the Birds beat Detroit 76-73. ISU led by 11 with just two minutes to go before the Titans finished with a flurry to make it look closer than it really was. Then it was on to California for the American Savings Classic in Stockton. Texas A&M was Illinois State's first-round opponent. The Aggies, like the Birds, were 5-1. And, and it was A&M which led by 5 at halftime and which increased the margin to 11 midway through the second half. But then the Birds came to life, outscoring the Aggies 17-6 and tying the game with a minute and a half to go on a loose Stefanovic jump shot. Then, with 19 seconds to go, ISU freshman Tony Hollifield made a great move to the basket and drew a foul. But Hollifield, shooting the first two free throws of his college career, missed them both. And when A&M rebounded the second miss, the Aggies had a chance to win it. Down to 11 seconds left now. We're tied up here at California. Holloway with it, guarded by McKinney. Here's Holloway driving, pulling up, shooting it, and missing. It's short, rebound, tapped out of bounds with the buzzer sounding, and that's the end of regulation time. And so the birds, and particularly Tony Hollifield, breathed a big sigh of relief and went out and dominated the extra five minutes, winning 74-66. It was the first overtime victory for Illinois State in over two years, and it was the first of six overtime games for the Redbirds in this 84-85 season. ISU had not won a holiday tournament in six years. They'd finished second five times in a row. The win over A&M gave the Birds another chance to finish first, and this time they made the most of it. Before a few hundred lethargic fans in California, ISU waltzed to a 77-58 win in the title game over the University of San Diego, and the Birds celebrated by cutting down the nets. Lou Stefanovic, who hit 19 of his 25 field goal attempts in the two games, was named tournament MVP. There was more net cutting to be done just a week later. This time, the birds traveled east for the Fleet Classic in Providence, Rhode Island. 
Illinois State opened against Northeastern, a team which had played in the NCAA the year before, and which was favored to win its conference again in 1984-85. ISU trailed early in the second half, but came back to win it 92-84. Brad Duncan scored his career high of 26, and the Birds moved into the title game against Big East representative Providence. The Friars had the home court advantage, but the Birds had a 15-point lead at the half. They upped the margin to 19 before Providence staged a strong comeback. The lead was all the way down to five with four minutes to go, and Providence had the ball. As Starks drives the lane, goes off to the side, Waller's shot is not good, rebound for Wright, who puts it in. I don't know where they've hidden this young player, but he is having one heck of a game tonight. 19 points for him, and it's 54-51, Birds leading by three. They have the ball as Johnson drives underneath, layup. Yes, Ricky Johnson with a big drive down the baseline. He's been taking it to the bucket and producing for the Birds, who now lead again by five. Then ISU got the ball right back and regained control of the game on a basket by Michael McKinney. Here's McKinney driving. He'll shoot it. He got it. Michael McKinney with a big basket with two minutes to go, and the Birds are up by seven. As McKinney penetrated the lane, they gave him some room, and he took advantage. And Illinois State was on its way to a 65-59 win over the Friars. After failing to win a holiday tournament for six years, the Birds had won two of them within the space of two weeks, and that made Ricky Johnson feel better than ever about the upcoming Missouri Valley Conference season. Yeah, we had always finished second uh, in the holiday tournament uh, for the my previous three years, uh, I was bringing home the second place trophy. So uh, the fact that we won both of those tournaments really gave us some momentum going into the uh, conference uh, season. The Birds took a 10-1 and record into the conference opener at Drake. And even though Lou Stefanovich and Bill Braxick fouled out, the Birds were in control all the way as they won 66-56. to the Birds out-rebounded the Dogs by seven, and little Michael McKinney was most responsible for that, grabbing a game-high eight boards. Then it was on to Omaha to face the Creighton Blue Jays. The Jays had been beaten in their conference opener by Bradley, but they'd raised a few eyebrows with non-conference wins over the likes of Notre Dame and Chaminade. The Birds were playing their sixth straight game away from home and appeared a little weary in losing 73-63. Benoit Benjamin was the difference with 16 points and 15 rebounds. The Birds returned to Horton Fieldhouse for the first time in almost four weeks and won their MVC home opener over Southern Illinois 78-63. Sophomore Bill Braxick, with 9 of 12 from the field that night, scored his career high of 22 points. So Illinois State was 2-1 in the Valley as Wichita State moved into Horton for a Saturday afternoon contest. The Shockers had struggled through the non-conference season but were riding high with wins in their first two Missouri Valley Conference games. The game was close throughout but the Shockers appeared in good shape with a four-point lead and only a minute to go. Then, a Tony Hollifield layup cut the gap to two with 50 seconds left. And then, Wichita State's Cedric Coleman missed the front end of a one-and-one, and and the Birds had a chance to tie. Here comes Brad up top, goes to Stefanovic. Birds trying to force an overtime as Ricky Johnson gets the ball. Ricky dribbling up on top. Now Duncan's shot. It is not good. Rebound McKinney who goes up and misses. A whistle. A foul is called. And Michael with six... There was no reason for me to run back on defense because if we didn't get this, uh, get the ball in basket right now, then we won't have a chance to win. So I just went to the boards and I just saw a little opening and I just jumped and 
Got the ball. McKinney made the first of his two free throws to cut the lead to one. Then came the second free throw. Here comes the toss on the way, and it is good. And the Birds have tied the score. That was a net job. Wichita State has a chance to win it as our line comes down court. Up on top, our line now on the right side. Six seconds to go in regulation. Here's the pass inside. Santos driving, shooting, missed it. Rebound, Birds. Two seconds left. Whistle, traveling with one second to go. Sanders called for traveling after he got the rebound, and that'll give the Shockers another opportunity. But Wichita State was not quite able to take advantage of that extra chance to send the Horton Fieldhouse patrons home a little earlier than desired. Inbounds pass from Santos. McDaniel is down low. Sherrod is up on top. Santos looking. Gets it in. McDaniel shot in. Time is rolling. No good. And it's overtime here at Horton Fieldhouse. When the ball really uh, left Xavier's hands, I, I actually thought it had a good chance of going in. And, and although he didn't have great balance, a great, a great athlete like himself oftentimes doesn't need uh, really good balance. He can just kind of throw, and that's what it was. Overtime as McDaniel got the pass. He shot it. From about eight feet away, he was relatively open, but he missed the shot short. And another five minutes of basketball here for the fans at Horton Fieldhouse. Well, I really felt confident once we got into overtime. I, I felt that if we can get the game into overtime, then we can really have a chance to uh, win the game. Johnson with it. Here's Duncan. Shot by Brad. It is good. Birds are up by two. This is their... Uh, I just came off the screen, and, and the shot was there, so I put it up, and it went in. And I think that maybe got us rolling a little oh, bit. It. Michael's got it. McKinney down court. Layup is no. Follow. Yes. Ricky Johnson and the Birds lead by four. The fact that Michael got the steal and got, and got down the court, I was just trying to follow the play, and uh, luckily I got the tip in. And the Birds went on to win it 86-80. to 80. Illinois State had overcome a 29-point, 19-rebound performance by All-American Xavier McDaniel. ISU was 3-1 and one in the Valley and 12-2 and two overall. The 3-1 mark was good enough for second place in the Missouri Valley. First place Tulsa was next for the Birds. The Golden Hurricane came to Horton Fieldhouse with a 4-0 conference mark. After a big win at home over Oklahoma, Tulsa had moved into the top 20. But the Birds jumped to an early 23-9 lead and were still up by 7 at the intermission. ISU was still holding to a 7-point lead with 4 minutes to go when it all started to fall apart. Just three minutes later, Tulsa's Brian Boudreaux made a pair of free throws, and the Redbird advantage had melted to just one point. That was followed by a turnover by the Birds, and Tulsa had the ball with 30 seconds left, with a chance to take the lead for the first time since the early minutes of the game. Here's Boudreaux with it. 23 seconds to go in the game. Harris takes the shot. He got it, and Tulsa leads for the first time in the second half. But the Birds have the ball. Now 16 seconds left. Here's McKinney. Off to Ricky Johnson. Birds need a bucket to win it. Johnson with it. Puts it out to Michael. Now down to seven. Michael pulls up, shoots it. He missed it. Off the rim, Braxick shoots. No. One second left. Foul's been called. Foul has been called. One second left. That ball hung on the rim forever. Billy Braxick went to get it. He missed his his try on the rebound but he drew the foul and so the seven foot sophomore from flanagan was on the line to shoot two with his team down by one one second to go in the game as he fires it up there it's on the way and it is not good too long and billy has one more chance to get the tie 67 66 tulsa with its first lead of the half right here with one second to go 
Another one coming for Braxic. He eyes the bucket, fires it up there, and gets it! And it was tied. Tulsa was unable to get a shot off in the final second. And for the second game in a row, the Birds were forced to work a little overtime. Unfortunately, in this extra period, it was Tulsa's Steve Harris who most deserved to be paid time and a half. First, the lanky 6'5 guard hit a 15-foot jumper to put Tulsa up by two. Then he drew a fifth foul on Braxic to put ISU's big guy on the bench. Harris made both free throws, and the Hurricane led by four. A bit later, with two minutes left, Tulsa was still up by four and had the ball. Herbert Johnson gets it. Now he shoots it, and he missed it. Rebound tipped in the air. It's loose. Now hits the rim. No good. Rebounds to Fonovich. And here come the Birds. Still in it. They're down by four. A minute and a half to go. Driving. Hollowfield shot. Good. Foul is called. Bucket. No. Oh, the other official took it away from him. Traveling was called. I believe that Ron Zetcher was ready to call a foul and a bucket. And Bob Donawald is really livid. Well, I was greatly surprised that the official made the call because he was not in a position to make it. He was just barely over the 10-second line. And there's an official standing right on top of the play who makes the call. Ironically enough, it was a poor call. Uh, uh, Tony does not travel on a doggone thing. But as an official is coming down the floor and he's just crossed over the 10-second line, I mean, a youngster almost has to run like it's a, uh, he's going for a first down in order for an official to make that kind of call and I and I really felt that that particular play uh, really was a straw that broke the camel's back the final score was 79 to 69 instead of coming from behind to force an overtime as the birds did against Wichita State ISU had given up a big lead and had lost the momentum by the time the extra period got underway Bob Donawald says he didn't feel nearly as good going into the OT against Tulsa as he did going into the extra five minutes against Wichita. No, I really didn't, and I don't think the kids did, and yet I think that was a, a very good learning experience for us because we talked a lot about it afterwards and, and compared the two situations and really relied upon that experience from then on every time we went into another overtime, which for a while, as you well remember, uh, seemed like that was the way we were going to play every game. <laughs> The Birds were to play three more extra period games within the next three weeks, and they were to win them all. The first of those three came just two days after the loss to Tulsa. ISU took a break from its Missouri Valley schedule to face Chicago State, again at Horton. The Cougars were in their first year of Division I competition. They'd already scored some big wins, including one at Wichita, so the Birds knew they might be in for a tough afternoon. They knew it even better when Chicago State led by four with just five minutes to go. But ISU came back to tie it on a Bill Braxick jump shot. Braxick scored the first two points in overtime, and the Birds raced to a 79-66 win. Braxick was 8 for 11 from the field and scored 18 points to help offset a 32-point performance by Chicago State's Charles Perry. The overall record for the Redbirds was now 13-3. The following Thursday night, the Birds were in Terre Haute, Indiana. The Sycamores of Indiana State had shown themselves to be an improved team, especially at home where they'd beaten Minnesota and Bradley. Early on, Illinois State looked to be Indiana State's next victim. The Sycamores led by nine at the half, but ISU was a different team in the second half. The Birds roared back to gain the lead just six minutes into the second half. The game remained close the rest of the way, but it was the Birds who were up by four with just over a minute to go. Then, Indiana State scored, and the Redbirds' lead was down to two. 
The birds had the ball, but because of the shot clock, ISU was forced to shoot before the final buzzer. Down to 10 seconds on the shot clock. Brad Duncan with it. Cross court McKinney. Michael driving. Now he stops and shoots it. He missed it. And the rebound winters. 18 seconds to go. Indiana State could tie it. Across the timeline we go. And of course there's a possibility here of another overtime. McComb with the ball. Indiana State looking to tie. Fields shoots it. It is good. Four seconds to go. The Birds call a timeout. The clock has dwindled down to nothing, but the Birds did call the timeout in time. But ISU's final shot in regulation was not good. And for the fourth straight game, it was on to an overtime period. The game remained close in OT. With a minute and a half to go, Michael McKinney hit from outside to tie the score. With 52 seconds to go, Indiana State's Jeff McComb was fouled. He made one of two free throws to put his team up by one. But then, Ricky Johnson of the Birds was fouled with 35 seconds left. Johnson had two free throws coming. I hit one to tie the game. I, I had a chance for one more that would have put us ahead by one, but I missed it. Johnson cocks the wrist. He fires up the second free throw. It is rolling. No good. Indiana State has the rebound, and they I have a chance going back down to court, the shot, thinking that the if they hit this shot, I was going to be pretty much the GOAT. They're waiting for the last shot. The bucket that could win it here as Kegerice has the ball up top. Now driving. He gets it with seven seconds to go. Throws it away. Ricky with it. I got a good line. look at the clock. It was four seconds, and uh, I got to the 10-second line. So I figured two more dribbles I can get to about 20 feet, and I just let it go from there. Ricky with it. At the timeline, he drives, shoots it at the buzzer. It's good! And the birds have won it. Johnson shooting it at the buzzer. And the birds win it. A steal by Ricky. I thought he had a chance to hit the shot as he crossed the timeline. And the reason I felt that is because as he was going, he was under control and he looks up at the clock to see how much time he's got. And from there on he counted to himself until he just got close enough to get up in the air. And once his eyes went to the, the score board I said to myself he's really under control he's got a chance to make the play and what a heck of a shot the 85 to 83 victory upped the Redbird record in the valley to four and two and kept the birds within two games of unbeaten Tulsa two days later the birds were back at Horton Fieldhouse for their first meeting of the year with arch rival Bradley the result was Illinois State's seventh straight win over the Braves Despite Lou Stefanovich's 2-for-10 performance from the field, the Birds won 65-55. to Ricky Johnson scored 21, and Michael McKinney had his season high of 20 points. The Birds took their 5-2 conference mark to Southern Illinois. Illinois State had had an easy time with the Salukis at Horton Fieldhouse, but as usual, it was a different story in Carbondale. The Redbirds were up by one with 12 minutes to play, but Southern scored the next basket and never trailed again on the way to a decisive 63-50 win. The Birds suddenly found themselves three games down on Tulsa, and first place seemed almost out of reach. It helped that Tulsa lost at Indiana State two nights later. That lowered the difference between the two teams to two games as the Birds moved into Tulsa for a Wednesday night confrontation with the Golden Hurricane. Memories of a big win at Tulsa the year before were fresh in the minds of the Birds as they stepped onto the court at the Tulsa Convention Center Arena. The game was incredibly close all the way. Neither team led by more than six points all night long. And through the final 18 minutes of this game, the biggest lead was three points. 
It was dead even with one minute to go, and both teams missed a chance to win it in the final seconds of regulation. And so, for the sixth time, the Redbirds geared up for a little overtime work. Tulsa, which had beaten the Birds in an overtime game at Horton just three weeks earlier, took the early advantage in OT. Just under three minutes left, the Hurricane led by two and got the ball back on an almost fatal Redbird mistake. And Johnson goes to Brad, inside pass, knocked away from Lou, loose ball, picked off by Tulsa, here's the pass to Moss, he's got a layup and he missed it, he missed it, rebound Ricky, Johnson back the other way, here's the pass to the corner, and Stefanovic slows it up and brings it back out, now Duncan into Hollowfield, layup is good, a foul has been called, the bucket will count, and the birds have tied the score and now could go up by one. Freshman Tony Hollowfield, who had proven earlier in the year to be a big liability on the free throw line, made his fifth pressure-packed free throw in five tries in this game to put the birds ahead for the first time in the overtime. There were two minutes to go. Each team scored two points, and the birds were still up by one when Tulsa's Herbert Johnson was fouled with 35 seconds to go. Herbert Johnson now set to shoot the free throw, the first of a one-and-one. A big free throw on the way for Johnson as he fires it, and he gets it. It rolled on that rim. Hit the glass, back to the rim, and fell through, and it's all tied up. Somebody's going to church. Johnson will try it again. He could put his team up by one. 35 seconds to go as he fires it, and he gets that one, too. He rolled that one in there. And the I didn't think neither one of them was going in, but uh, that's a home court bounce for you, and they went in, and I was thinking um, the guys that played so hard, Everybody, everybody stepped on the court really played hard. We was coming off a disappointing loss. And everybody stepped on the court really played hard that game. And I was just thinking, God, it would be a shame if we lost this game. With the game clock running down, the Birds were having trouble finding the shot they needed to put themselves back in front. And Bob Donawald was forced to call for a timeout with 10 seconds to go. After talking it over, the Birds inbounded, still down by one big point. Everybody here in Tulsa standing... As Ricky Jensen prepares to get it in for the Birds. ISU down by one. Ten seconds to go in overtime. Johnson gets it in. Here's Michael driving, pulling up, shooting it. He got it. Birds lead by one. Four seconds to go. Tulsa they gave him the shot. Out. I think they was keen on Brad for that last shot or keen on Lou. But I just took the shot since they gave it to me. Did you have a pretty good feeling about it when you let it go? No. <laughs> you didn't think it was going in? Well, um... I think that was only my second basket the, uh, the second half for the night. And so I wasn't really into any type of shooting flow. Uh, but I just shot it with confidence. I didn't hesitate to shoot. I, I shot it and uh, it did go in. And the Birds had a one-point lead with four seconds to go. But Tulsa still had one more chance to pull it out. Nobody on the inbound passer as Williams looks to get it in and does so to Boudreaux. He's at half court. Down to two seconds left. Boudreaux driving. Shot on the way. It is... No good! No good! It rimmed out of there! It was a good-looking shot! So when he shot the ball, I thought the ball was going right through the net. But it didn't. It rolled out. It was a very close shot from uh, from the distance he took it at. And I'm glad it rolled out. win for the second time in a row in Tulsa. 73-72. ISU holds on to beat the Golden Hurricane. <laughs> The win put the Birds within one game of Tulsa, but Wichita State had taken over first. The Shockers' only loss up until that point had been to ISU. Three days later, the Birds kept pace with a 67-46 win at home over Drake. 
And that evening, Tulsa won at Wichita State, and the birds were now within one game of both the Hurricane and the Shockers. week, the Redbirds hit the road. ISU had a Thursday night game at West Texas State, and then a Saturday night contest at Wichita State. The Buffaloes of West Texas were in last place in the Valley. ISU had never lost a conference game to the Buffs, but the Birds found themselves down by 11 at the half, and when the Birds still trailed by 8 with 3 minutes to go, Brad Duncan knew he and his teammates had taken too much for granted. We feel if we play with a great amount of intensity and if we put, come out and play hard every night that we can play with anybody and that was just one of those nights where we didn't do that. A situation